Yeah, I can confirm for you that Mr. Chong had absolutely no record of any sort of criminality. IHIT asks for the public's help after a notary public is found dead at his Richmond office. Plus... Yeah, it was absolutely horrific. A BC Ferries worker is seriously injured as passengers watch the whole thing. And... What the f*** did I do? Go ahead, I'll call my dad. Caught on camera, what prompted a Lynn Valley security guard to allegedly assault a teenage girl? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. We begin with a grisly discovery in Richmond. A 58-year-old notary public was found dead at his business last night, and now police are asking for your help to solve the crime. Police aren't ruling it a murder just yet, and as Jill Bennett reports, the victim had no criminal record. Investigators could be seen looking for evidence after a family member found 58-year-old Stephen Chong inside his office deceased on Friday. Police and emergency crews arrived around 5.30 p.m., a scene that was concerning for neighbors. I was looking down and I saw like 20 police cars and like a couple of fire trucks and a couple of ambulances and I had no idea what was going on. The priority for us is to determine a motive uh, behind exactly what happened to Mr. Chong. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is now working with the Richmond RCMP Serious Crimes Unit to put together a timeline leading to Chong's death. There are things at the scene uh, that are suspicious and um, which led officers to conclude that you know, this is something for the homicide team. Sergeant Jang says it will likely take an autopsy to determine how Chung died. Officers will also be going through surveillance footage from cameras in the area. They want to talk to anyone who can help them piece together what happened. Anyone with information about what happened to him, especially if you have information about who he was meeting up with yesterday or, he was or who he was supposed to meet up with. And by that I mean uh, business partners, friends, associates, potential clients. Chong had no police record or previous dealings with law enforcement. And while investigators say his death does not appear to be a random act, it remains unclear why someone would do this. So there's a lot of things that remain a mystery on this investigation. Um, and we're working hard to really answer each and every single question. Jill Bennett, Global News. A BC Ferries crew member was seriously injured on the job this morning. The worker was injured on board the Queen of Cowichan, which was set to sail out of Horseshoe Bay for Departure Bay just before 8.30 this morning. BC Ferries says she was injured by one of the bow doors, which was having problems opening properly. The accident caused two sailings to be cancelled. A witness who asked not to be named said she and several other walk-on passengers witnessed the accident while they were standing on the car deck waiting to disembark. One of the doors actually slammed into her and knocked her off her feet and then sort of dragged her along the bottom of the, like, the deck of the ferry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was absolutely horrific. Graham Johnston, the provincial president of the B.C. Ferry and Marine Workers Union, says the member was taken to hospital with significant injuries and we hope they will make a full recovery. Our thoughts are with them, their family and the crews involved, both ship and shore. WorkSafe B.C. is also investigating. A disturbing video has surfaced of a violent altercation between young people and a security guard in North Vancouver. We'll show you that video, but as Jordan Armstrong reports, the police and the parent of one of the teens involved say the footage fails to show the entirety of what happened. 
First a punch. Then the security guard appears to spit on the young woman. The confrontation happened Thursday at a McDonald's in Lynn Valley. Video of the incident was sent to Global News by the teen's father. And he definitely doesn't have the temperament to be a security guard. I can't see with you. Here's dad's version of what happened. He says his 15-year-old daughter and some friends were outside the fast food joint looking for another friend when the guard told them to leave. He started yelling at them to get the F out. Uh, so they started yelling back, and when they got to an entranceway or a doorway or something like that, he pushed my daughter out the door, uh, and he hit her before the videotape starts. You dumb old man, you just hit me. The property manager told Global Security has had trouble with a group of kids recently, and they've been in contact with the RCMP. We're asking that anyone who saw this happen or who has uh, evidence uh, to contact us and to provide that to us. That's because this video is only 19 seconds and clearly doesn't tell the whole story. Footage that was shared first online and not with police. We would prefer in a case like this not to go first to social media, but to, to come straight to the police and, and report this because obviously it's, it's a serious incident and it involves youths. Your sister you had, that's not no nice. charges have been laid. The investigation continues. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. A Chilliwack man has pleaded guilty in a crash that killed a pregnant Okanagan teacher last year. 48-year-old Frank Marks Tessman pleaded guilty Friday to one count of driving without due care and attention in connection with the May 2018 fatal collision. 31-year-old Kelowna kindergarten teacher Taya Lloyd and her husband Justin were driving on the Trans-Canada Highway near Bridal Falls when Tessman's GMC pickup crossed the grass median and hit their Toyota Tacoma head-on. Lloyd and her unborn baby were killed. Her husband was injured. Tessman will be sentenced early next year. Five men have been arrested and charged in the murder of a convicted killer in Kamloops. 23-year-old Nathan Townsend, 24-year-old Jaden Eustich, 44-year-old Darian Rowell, 38-year-old John Davis, and 46-year-old Sean Skirt are charged with second-degree murder in the death of 35-year-old Troy Gold. Gold was reported missing in October of 2018. His body was later found that month in a grasslands area outside of Kamloops. Gold served 10 years in prison for a fatal stabbing on a Penticton beach in 2001. RCMP say his five alleged killers are known in the local drug trade. As winter weather approaches and in the midst of a housing affordability crisis, Surrey City councillors are considering a controversial proposal. They want to make it illegal for anyone to sleep in a recreational vehicle on a city street overnight. Sarah McDonald has more. It's becoming increasingly common to see these lining the streets of major BC cities as housing costs soar. But soon, sleeping overnight in recreational vehicles and large vans on city streets could be illegal. In the province's fastest-growing municipality, Surrey City Council set to consider an all-out ban on Monday. We have a housing crisis in Surrey, there is no question about that. And this is symptom, symptomatic of the bigger problem, which is the housing crisis. Councillor Brenda Locke won't be voting in favour of amending the city's bylaw to ban anyone from occupying a motorhome or a camper in most public places overnight. We have zero uh, shelter housing in this city right now, so I don't know what people are supposed to do. If amended, Surrey's legislation would be brought in line with Vancouver's, which is grappling with the same societal issue. 
The amended bylaw would directly impact people like Michael Roy, with limited options for housing in a city with drastically low vacancy rates and rising rental costs. I think if somebody doesn't have a place to live, they're going to live somewhere, you know, like better better living in their vehicle than on the sidewalk or something, you know. As it stands, vehicles are prohibited from staying stationary for more than 72 hours. Staff suggest ticketing, towing and impounding vehicles would only be used as a last resort if that amendment is approved. Sarah McDonald, Global News. They are a common sight in the seaside community of Steveston, sandwich boards. The signs allow small businesses to bring in street traffic. But the advertising is only supposed to be temporary, and after a couple of complaints, the city of Richmond is cracking down. Kristen Robinson explains. It's the first order of business for Laura Stapleton, placing what she considers a lifeline outside her store. You really do need a lot of signage to get people to notice you. The Fab Pad owner, one of several Steveston merchants who rely on sandwich boards to attract customers. For the side street businesses especially, it's absolutely critical. But the signs are only supposed to be up for 30 days after a business first opens. Acting on two complaints, bylaw officers recently warned offenders they could face fines. And it could be up to $1,000. It's not really hurt anybody. I've been here for 30 years. I've seen them all the time, been used. This guy over here. In his decades of trimming, Ian McElworth says no one has tripped over his board. We live in a society where we listen to one percenters, two percenters that, 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 that whine and whinge, and they seem to get the, the grease for that oily yeah. wheel. Ask the businesses, talk to the customers, talk to the people out on the street and see what they think, rather than just picking up the phone and going, yeah, we've got a complaint from Mrs. Smith, um, that'd do, and we'll come down here and shut it all down. It's not the way you do business. We don't want to be issuing tickets to any business or doing anything that's going to negatively impact the business. However, the bylaw is quite clear on what the requirements are, and when we get a complaint, we have to act and, in theory, enforce that bylaw. Stapleton, who's also with the Steveston Merchants Association, says they'll be approaching the city of Richmond with a plan for wayfinding signs similar to these ones. And these would be signs that would be on every corner and would uh, definitely fit in with the character of the village and point to those businesses down the side streets that really need um, the signage. The city says it's open to working with businesses on a way forward. So far, no one's been ticketed. The sandwich boards still standing strong. Kristen Robinson, Global News. B.C. Solicitor General says cannabis edibles are expected to be on store shelves by January. Food and beverages infused with cannabis will not be sold in liquor stores, but the province is interested in considering farm gate sales. Producers must give 60 days notice to Health Canada of their intention to sell edibles, oils and topicals. And there's a limit of 10 milligrams of THC per package to avoid the risk of overconsumption. Mike Farnworth says he wants to see as much small-scale production as possible for cannabis edibles to allow for regional economic development. We know that there's a considerable amount of uh, interest, certainly in, uh, in farm gate sales, and you know, I, I've said that I would like to see farm gate sales, but there is policy work that needs to be done in terms of how that would take place as small scale producers uh, to be able to, you know, uh, comparable to what we've seen in the, in the wine industry. Uh, and uh, my ministry has been working and, uh, you know, on, on, on policy in that area. 
And one year after legalization, Farnworth says 144 private cannabis retail store licenses have been issued, including one for the Cowichan Valley's first pot shop. Costa Canna, a partnership headed by the Cowichan tribes, opened Friday in the Duncan Mall. And the First Nation plans to use the store revenue to build housing for its members and help with social issues. And they also hope to expand Costa Canna in B.C. and Canada. The province doesn't allow you to grow and sell within your within your same system. Um, we believe, as a First Nation, that we should be afforded the same opportunities as the province. And that being said, with our Section 119 agreement, we are looking to be able to provide our product into our stores and not have to go through the wholesale market like everybody else. There was a time when Samsung phones were banned from flights because the batteries were exploding. Well, now a merit man says his Samsung Galaxy suddenly exploded this summer, leaving him severely injured. He said he's been in a battle with the company for compensation ever since. Jules Knox brings us his story along with Samsung's response. It was like looking at a firework. Ethan Allen says his daughter was playing games on his brand new Samsung Galaxy A70 phone when it got hot to the touch and suddenly started sparking. It just, it just like, it was like a big poof of, of smoke. Allen says he threw the phone to the floor as it caught fire and the back started to melt off. I panicked because I had cats and my kids around. And so the only thing I could do, the only thing I could think of, was to go and put it out with my foot to try to damp it out. And as soon as I did that, it blew up under my foot and then it knocked me, knocked me back. It hit the center of my foot. The right jolt here. causing nerve and soft tissue damage, according to Allen, and requiring him to use a crutch to get around. It has actually caused neurological pain in my back because the zapping has gone from my foot all the way up my leg into my back over the last two months. In an email, Samsung says that it continues to investigate, but that its initial examination showed signs of external damage to the device. The company's insurance adjuster also sent all in an email claiming that the phone's plastic housing has multiple tampering marks. They said they found no negligence or liability and denied Allen's claim. Did you tamper with the phone? No. No, I did not. Samsung did give Allen a new S9 Plus phone, but he says it's not enough. He wants the company to pay damages and to cover his extra medical costs like physiotherapy. And he says he's sharing his story to warn others about the possible dangers of an overheating phone. Jules Knox, Global News, Merit. With only one full day of campaigning left in the federal election, the Conservatives are under fire from the People's Party. Leader Maxime Bernier is accusing Andrew Scheer of hiring a strategist to paint him and his party as racist. Global Sean O'Shea has more on that and where the other party leaders are today. With the election campaign nearing its end, leaders boil down their messages to the basics. So we can lower taxes, put more money in the pockets of Canadians so that Canadians can get ahead. Simple statements to move Canada forward, to make a choice to stop conservative cuts. Digestible nuggets aimed at trying to define what they stand for. I think we've captured the imagination of the country because we've asked Canadians to dream bigger. We say you deserve better. On this final Saturday before the country decides its next government, leaders are urging supporters to get out and vote. The last thing a party wants is the hint of a scandal. 
and I said we're not going to make comments on uh, on contracts that may or may not exist or with vendors that we may or may not have. A new Global Mail report says the Conservative Party was engaged in a dirty tricks campaign, saying the party hired a former Liberal advisor Warren Kinsella to smear the People's Party led by Maxime Bernier to make the party appear racist and help Conservatives. This secret campaign is an attack on the integrity of our democratic process. Bernier has asked the Elections Commissioner to investigate. Scheer was asked over and over about whether he hired Kinsella. We, we, we don't offer comments. Just as a rule, we don't make comments on vendors that we may or may not have, uh, have contracts with. Thanks very much, everyone. Merci beaucoup. He defends no clear conservative principle. In fact, we saw today that he has no principle at all. The accusations of possible interference couldn't come at a worse time for the Conservatives. Scheer has spent his whole campaign telling supporters that Trudeau is unfit for the job. Trudeau heading for a final whirlwind trip out west, including Calgary, one of the most challenging regions for the Liberals. All of Canada will always be there to support Albertans. Promises and messages as the parties wind down their campaigns with just one more day to go. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. And strategist Warren Kinsella issued a statement saying in part, Maxime Bernier and his People's Party are indisputably racist. They are bigots. They have anti-Semitic and homophobic members. If someone wants to join forces with me to beat Bernier, I will always welcome it. He goes on to say, the work we were doing ended many months ago. It was always going to be disclosed by law. It was in no way inappropriate or wrong. Opposing organized bigotry is always appropriate and right. We were and are fiercely proud of the work we did. Green Party leader Elizabeth May was marathon campaigning throughout the Lower Mainland today, starting in West Vancouver, continuing to Burnaby and ending with a major rally at the Convention Centre in Vancouver tonight, featuring environmentalist David Suzuki. It's important for the future. What's important for the future is that the next Canadian Parliament pull the current target that remains Stephen Harper's target, puts in place real climate action. None of the other parties are offering that. So voters who care about climate, and I do think this election is a referendum on climate, really only have one choice, and that's voting green, so that we can ensure that within that parliament we make the appropriate decisions for our kids' future. And a reminder, Global News has coverage of the federal election on Monday night. There will be a special edition of the News Hour on Monday from 5 to 6 p.m. Then at 6, join Donna Friesen for Decision Canada, our federal election results special. Following that, Sophie Louie and Keith Baldry will host After the Vote, taking a closer look at the outcome and what happened right here in B.C. Well, it may be rainy and a little chilly here on the South Coast, but for some it's not cold or wet enough. Oh, what a little cutie. Hardy the sea otter cooling off with an ice bath at the Vancouver Aquarium on Friday. Hardy is now nearly two and a half years old and is fully recovered. He was rescued as a pup in June of 2017. He was found injured and stranded off the coast of northern Vancouver Island. Hardy is now loving life at the Marine Mammal Rescue Center. And we have loved checking in on his progress. Yet another Brexit delay. British lawmakers have voted to postpone a decision on whether to back a Brexit deal with the European Union. Today's vote in Parliament further complicates Prime Minister Boris Johnson's plans to leave the EU at the end of this month. 
Today was billed as Super Saturday. Thousands of protesters converged on Parliament as Prime Minister Boris Johnson tried to pass his Brexit deal with the European Union. That is why it is now so urgent for us to move on and to build a new relationship with our friends in the EU on the basis of a new deal. But do or die for the Prime Minister quickly turned into disappointment and delay. The eyes to the right, 322. The nose to the left, 306. Parliament approved an amendment that postponed the vote on the Prime Minister's deal. A setback for Johnson, but good news for Brits who want to remain in the EU. We don't want to break up of our union. We want to stay in Europe. We want to stay aligned. It's good for us. And we need to stay and we demand another vote. And that's why we're here. While the vast majority of people here aren't just against the Prime Minister's deal, they're against the UK leaving the EU, we need to remember that's just a snapshot. There are many people across this country who want the UK to leave. I want a clean break. I want a fully independent, sovereign United Kingdom. The vote to leave the EU has been kicked down the road to the beginning of next week in what's already being described as Manic Monday. And the ceasefire between Turkey and Syrian Kurdish forces appears to have already failed. Both sides are accusing the other of violating the U.S. brokered agreement. Kurdish officials say the Turks are still conducting airstrikes in northeastern Syria, but... Turkey says it's completely abiding by the deal. And today, Turkey's president vowed to crush the heads of all Kurdish militants who don't withdraw from a planned safe zone. Tropical storm Nestor slammed into the northeastern U.S. Gulf Coast today, early this morning. Have a look at this. It brought high winds, surging seas, and heavy rains to the Florida panhandle. The late-season storm even prompted a tornado warning for much of the state. But forecasters at the National Hurricane Center in Miami say Nestor gradually lost strength as it moved inland. But that didn't mean Nestor didn't cause some frightening moments. Cell phone video captures the moment when powerful winds lifted a semi-truck onto a moving SUV. Witnesses say a tornado flipped the tractor-trailer onto its side. Remarkably, no injuries were reported. Another driver on the same highway recorded large hailstones hitting the windshield. Residents of the mobile home park say they were, their homes were damaged and the roof of another home caved in. Nestor comes one year after Hurricane Michael devastated Panama City. Russia's emergency ministry says at least 15 people are dead after a dam at a Siberian gold mine collapsed. It happened during heavy rain and the water flooded two dormitories where workers were sleeping. A criminal investigation has been launched into whether workplace safety was violated. A portion of a Missouri bridge that stood for 91 years is no more. Part of the old Champ Clark Bridge was demolished yesterday. And the bridge has been standing over the Mississippi River since 1928, connecting Illinois to Missouri. And this is the first of two planned implosions of the bridge. The demolition comes after a new bridge with the same name opened in August. And have a look at this newly released video. 
shows a coach embracing a student he had just disarmed. The then 18-year-old brought a loaded shotgun to a high school in Portland, Oregon. That was in May. The coach found the student in a bathroom and was able to separate him from the weapon. The pair hugged before police move in to arrest the teen. Police say the boy was suicidal. He was sentenced to 36 months probation and given treatment for mental health issues and substance abuse. In Health Matters tonight, Coquitlam joined several cities across the country today to raise awareness of PTSD among veterans. And the second annual Canadian Walk for Veterans kicked off today with musical performances at Lafarge Lake, bringing families, the military, police, firefighters, and more together. Proceeds from this walk go to organizations that provide veterans and first responders with the tools they need. Organizers also hope the walk provides an opportunity for those with PTSD to speak openly in a stigma-free environment. There is no pressure in doing this. It has to be a decision made on the veteran's part that is suffering. But uh, we're persistent and we're there for them. And uh, we understand the sacrifice that they made and the uh, issues that they're going through. And we're here to help. All you've got to do is ask. When I hear of a young soldier uh, taking his life, it's, uh, it's a shame. Our society's let him down. Why the action on the field before this World Cup rugby match even began is getting so much attention today. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. Yvonne, sitting in the newsroom today, I saw the sun come out for a minute. <laughs> oh, there it is. It's very brief, yes. depending on where you were across Metro Vancouver. We did have a few breaks, but it has been a mixed bag today. If you've got plans for your Sunday, it is going to be a wet one, and I'll show you why and how much rain we could anticipate. But there is a beautiful shot overlooking English Bay this evening, and like Colleen said, there were a few breaks out there, very brief. Temperatures are sitting at 9 degrees. It is quite breezy by the water. A westerly wind sustained at 32 kilometers per hour, so just over 30. Today, bump up to 10 degrees on the cool side the average for this time of the year at 14 degrees six today for areas near williams lake just above the freezing mark for the peace at one double digits for victoria at 11 degrees and a soyuz for the southern half of the okanagan up to 14 degrees we are going to be looking still at the cloud cover this evening a chance of showers but in behind it this is the next system that is going to move in. Very wet and windy for coastal sections. And that's the wave of moisture that we'll be keeping an eye on Sunday. And then another one behind it will be on our Monday. So we can see that in the future cast moving in. Rain and heavy at times beginning for Sunday morning. Pushing in for the afternoon for the interior. We're starting to see some of the heavier rain. And then on Monday, the next weather maker is going to move in. So we still have waves of rain over the next few days. It'll remain unsettled. I've taken the future cast for rainfall totals all the way in towards Tuesday stay late in the day and the potential is there to see up to 30 millimeters close to for most spots especially inland across the island that might be one of the heavier pockets so across metro vancouver overnight tonight it is a chance of showers tomorrow morning early it'll be cloud cover but then the rain is going to pick up and then heavy at times through the day temperatures very similar getting into the double digits on the cool side with the high of 10 degrees long range forecast putting the jet stream into play on thursdays when we'll start to see a break but the heaviest rain will be sunday monday 
Tuesday, Wednesday unsettled, and then late day Wednesday into Thursday. We are going to see some sunshine in the mix in much drier conditions. It'll dry out across the province. Most areas for the piece seeing some snowfall moving in tomorrow evening, two and up to four centimeters. White Horse will see morning fog patches, afternoon sunshine. Coastal sections very wet and windy, southeasterly 15, potentially up to 70 kilometers per hour, and the Caribou and Central Interior. Chilly for the morning, wind chill at minus five. The, uh, the soggiest day will be on Monday and then rebounding quite quickly on Tuesday. Snow level for the Columbia and Kootenai up to 1,200 meters. It's really for the afternoon and evening that most of the rain is moving in. And for the Thompson Okanagan, the morning hours mainly cloudy, a few breaks by the afternoon, rain and heavy at times. Whistler rainfall and a high of 6 degrees on the cool side. Rebounding on Tuesday and across the island. We'll see that rain moving in for the morning hours right across the south coast. It'll be heavy for Sunday morning. The next system on Monday will see periods of rain once again. So heads up on the cool side for tomorrow. Wet and very windy for coastal sections. And then on Tuesday, Wednesday, easing off to a chance of showers. Late day Wednesday, look ahead. It could be drier. And then Thursday, a few sunny breaks once again. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Ireland took on New Zealand at the Rugby World Cup in Japan, and before the game even began, it got heated. As usual, the world champion All Blacks performed their classic pre-match ritual, the haka. Usually, the haka is accompanied by silence from the crowd, but not this time. fans were in full voice, drowning out much of the Hakka chant by singing the Fields of Athenry. Bad move, apparently. New Zealand trounced Ireland 46-14 to move into a rugby, the Rugby World semi-final against England. The All Blacks haven't lost a World Cup game since a, uh, since a quarterfinals upset loss to France in 2007. Ireland has yet to win a knockout round match. So, yeah, not a good idea. And almost as though Air New Zealand could predict the outcome, it released this mock in-flight safety video called Safety Tips for Ireland Fans. Stay away, young children. On the off chance that language may become a little colourful. In the event of an early New Zealand try, lean forward into the crouch position with your head in your hands. Nice. Should those tries repeat, make your way to your nearest exit. Here, here, and here. That's <laughs> very good. That's oh, very clever. Very clever. It's Welcome funny for very... all the New Zealanders. Not so right. Not, not for the Irish. No, yeah. not so much. Yeah. Uh, I got some Canucks coming up. Oh. They're down a four-game win streak going into uh, New Jersey today, but uh, it, it will not be a five-game win streak. The Canucks have played some really exciting games this year. This was not one of them, but it was a one-nothing. Does that make you want to come back and watch highlights? <laughs> Darn, I forgot Wanna about that. Want to watch you, Bear? They're yeah, coming yeah. Back. Okay. So anyway, they lost one nothing, uh, but it was fun that uh, Jack Hughes, Quinn's brother, did score his first NHL goal. So Fabulous. I'm sure Quinn is kind of torn about that. He's happy for his brother, but but could you not score it against somebody else? Yeah, exactly. So that's all coming up. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, we were just talking about the, how the Canucks are doing really well. Yeah, they are having a, a good start. You know, all Yay. the young players are playing better. I think there's a lot of optimism around here, but it's ah. early, as we say, and uh, you know. Lots of time to go yet. All right, thanks, Colleen. The uh, Canucks uh, showed a lot of uh, grit to come back and beat the Blues in a shootout the other night, running their win streak to four. Today, a chance to make it five straight against a Devils team that's had a devil of a time keeping the puck out of their own net, averaging more than four goals against per game. But the Canucks' offense was dry today, didn't create much at all, and lost one nothing to snap the win streak. 
Over 70 members of the Hughes family taking this in. Quinn and Jack's first ever NHL encounter. Specially made up Devil Canuck t-shirts there. They all came to see something special and they got their wish in the first on a power play. Taylor Hall to 18-year-old Jack Hughes who rips the wrister past Thatcher Demko. First ever NHL goal for the first overall pick in last June's draft. It was a pretty one. The special players always seem to deliver on the big stage. The parents love it. Quinn, maybe not as much. one nothing Devils after one. Second period, Canucks with a great chance. Alex Edler just out of the penalty box, sprung on the breakaway by Brock Besser, but Edler denied by Mackenzie Blackwood. Seconds later, pressure still on. Elias Pettersson, got a great wrister. Oh, off the crossbar. Canucks coming close, but can't find the tying goal. Late in the period, Edler takes out Blake Coleman, drops the shoulder into Coleman's head. Just a glancing blow, but that sent Coleman to the ice. Certainly didn't look intentional, but the Devils didn't like it. They went after Edler like you'd expect them to. Brandon Sutter and Mirko Mueller actually dropped the gloves. Coleman chased after Edler, but hey, the kid's head was low. Edler's not that kind of player, but you never know. He may face some discipline. Canucks didn't get many looks in the third. Elias Pettersson with the shot, fires but wide. 25 saves for Blackwood, third career shutout, the second versus the Canucks. one nothing in the final, so the four-game win streak snapped. The Canucks play the Rangers tomorrow morning at 10. Habs and Blues from St. Louis. Second period tied at one, but just six seconds in, Brendan Gallagher scores a strange one on Jake Allen. Allen puts it in himself, basically, here on the long wrister. But Brendan will take it, his fourth 2-1 Habs. Then on the power play, great feed by Jesperi Kotkaniemi to Jonathan Druen, who rips the one-timer. Very important for Druen to score regularly for the Habs. And then later, rookie Nick Suzuki with his second of the year, and the Canadians beat the Stanley Cup champs 5-2. Bruins and Leafs from Toronto, U.S. Open champ and Canada's own Bianca Andreescu dropping the ceremonial puck. She is everywhere these days and well-deserved. First period, Leafs rookie Dimitro Timashov with his first NHL goal. Rips the wrister past Yarrow Halak and Toronto led 2-0. Jump to the third now, 2-1 Leafs and Langley's Danton Heinen with some nice patience and then he rips that one to the roof to tie it up. 2-2 his second of the year but then Vancouver's Alex Kerfoot gives the Leafs the lead. He bangs in his third, but the Bruins have tied it. They're just starting overtime, 3-3 Toronto and Boston. CFL tonight, Blue Bombers and Stampeders in a three-way battle for first in the West with Saskatchewan. Second quarter, Bomber defense comes up big. Marcus Sales forces the strip right there, gets a nice bounce and scoops it up, takes it all the way back for the touchdown, 13-11 Winnipeg. And then the Bombers on offense, second and short. They fake the sneak. Surprise more teams don't do this. Chris Strebler over the top to Kenny Lawler. 34-yard touchdown, 27-19 Bombers at the half, but the Stamps come back. Bo Levi Mitchell to Reggie Bagleton, his third touchdown of the game, gives the Stamps the lead, and that's where they stand right now in the fourth, 37-33. Calgary. LPGA from Shanghai. Race to the CME Globe Championship. Brooke Henderson beginning play tonight uh, with the release today slash tonight because of the time difference. Second overall on that chase for the uh, overall win. Brooke had a hole-in-one yesterday. Today, how about this shot? Two hops onto the green on the uh, par four and then 
takes it all the way back for Eagle. Brooke not really sure it went in, but it did. Tied for the lead at 11 under. Had a little bit of everything on her scorecard today. Three bogeys, two birdies, an eagle, as we just saw. And then on the 18th, a big mistake here as she is short sides herself, finds a watery grave and makes a double bogey. One over on the day, drops to third. Trails leader Jessica Corda by five shots heading into tomorrow's final round. With that 15-hour time difference, her final round starts in less than an hour. Off Tuesday, the Raptors begin defense of their NBA title that night at home against New Orleans. Mixed opinions on how good Toronto will be without Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Many think they'll make the playoffs but won't be a title contender. Others think if players like Pascal Siakam continue to improve, Toronto could be in the mix again. Today, the Raps made the 25-year-old Siakam a very rich young man. They have signed him to a four-year, $130 million U.S. dollar extension, the max deal they could sign him. They had, had they not signed him, uh, he would have become a free agent at the end of the season, but that was never going to happen. He was the NBA's most improved player award winner last year. He was incredible in the playoffs, averaging over 19 points per game and he's just getting started. If Siakam makes more strides this year, the Raps will be right there in the East again. All right, Game 6, ALCS from Houston. Astros a win away from a World Series date with the Washington Nationals. Bottom of the first, two on for Yuli Gurriel, and he will smash a three-run homer to left. Great start for the home side, up 3-0. But the Yankees get one back in the second. Gary Sanchez. Two out RBI single up the middle, plates a run. The Yankees have added another, and it's 3-2 now in the fourth. MLS playoffs, Toronto FC, the only Canadian team to make it, taking on Wayne Rooney and D.C. United. Toronto led 1-0 at the half, but D.C. United with a glorious chance to equalize. It's Rooney point blank, but TFC keeper Quentin Westberg with a fantastic save. Rooney can't believe he didn't score. But in stoppage time, Rooney with the corner, a great ball out wide, and some chaos ensues. And it's Lucas Rodriguez who hammers it in, ties it up. We need extra time. But TFC, get it going in extra time. Just two minutes in, Michael Bradley starts the play, and it's finished by Canadian national teamer Richie Larea, the Toronto native, with some nice finish to make it 2-1. Moments after that, off the uh, corner, Jonathan Osorio scored, and then he got another one here on a wonderful volley from distance. They add another TFC win at 5-1. They are moving on in the MLS playoffs against either Atlanta or NYCFC. Wayne Rooney's MLS career now over. Meanwhile, in the West, Sounders and FC Dallas at a rainy CenturyLink field. Sounders got off to a great start, already up a goal. They add to it off the break. Jordan Morris makes it 2-0 Seattle. They looked well on their way. But FC Dallas showed some guts. They tied it. However, off the corner, it's Morris with his second while on the turf. Knocks that one in to make it 3-2. But just eight minutes later, off a corner kick of their own, Dallas equalized. Brian Acosta with the header there, and it's 3-3. And this game requires extra time. In the second half of the extra time, Sounders with the pressure, and it's Jordan Morris one more time. Heads in his hat-trick goal. Seattle survives a wild one, 4-3. to three. They advance on to the West semifinals. English Premiership today. Manchester City at Crystal Palace. City can't afford too many more slip-ups if they want to keep the Liverpool in their sights. Got the job done today. Gabriel Jesus gets them on the board in the 39th minute with the flying, glancing header that goes post and in. May have 
got a piece of his shoulder, but it's a good goal, 1-0 City. And just two minutes later, Raheem Sterling with the chip here to David Silva, who volleys it in, and Man City take care of business against Crystal Palace, 2-0 City. Five points behind Liverpool, who visit Manchester United tomorrow. Rugby World Cup quarters, two-time defending champ New Zealand taking on Ireland. All Blacks haven't lost a World Cup game since 2007. And this one was one-sided. The All Blacks relentless in all areas. Get this try from Cody Taylor. 29-0 at that point. The All Blacks have size, strength, speed, athleticism, and, well, do you really need anything more than that? George Bridge takes it in. They were just too much for the Irish to handle. New Zealand rolls. 46-14 the final. Yeah, they'll drink to that. 46-14 the final over the Irish. Other quarterfinal matchup today. Australia taking on England. England hasn't made the Rugby World Cup semis in over a decade, but they were on a mission today. Johnny May scores a two tries in a three-minute span. England getting a couple of tries off interceptions today. One right there, and they looked real good against Australia. May will score here, chasing it down, and the Wallabies got walloped 40 to 16. New Zealand cheering on two things today. They're winning Australia's loss. So England, New Zealand in the semifinals and the two other quarterfinals start in just about five hours from now. Got a few grass stains on those white unis. That'll happen in rugby. That'll yeah. happen. All right. Thanks so much, Barry. <laughs> we are getting an intimate look at life in the royal family. In a one-on-one -on -one interview, the Duchess of Sussex spoke publicly for the first time about her private struggles after marrying Prince Harry and having their first child, Archie. You add this on top of just trying to be a new mom or trying to be a newlywed it's um yeah well i guess and also thank you for asking because not many people have asked if i'm okay but it's uh, it's a very real thing to be going through behind the scenes and the answer is would it be fair to say not really okay since really been a struggle yes well, not surprisingly, Meghan has been under unrelenting media and public scrutiny since marrying Prince Harry more than a year ago. Her fans are now showing their support on social media with the hashtag WeLoveYouMeghan. Her husband Harry also opens up for the same documentary, which follows the couple on a tour across Africa. And no matter what, I always expect her to have an English accent, even though I know she's American. <laughs> <laughs> it's so odd. Yeah, she's, uh, she seems quite lovely. Yes. Would be tough. Would be, it would be tough. Every move you make, right? 24-7. Yeah, yeah don't, don't think I'd enjoy that that much of a spotlight. No, this is enough. Trust yes, me. That's right. This, this is, is enough. In oh, fact, these lights are a little too bright. <laughs> um, speaking of bright, when's it going to brighten up for us? Uh, there is a bright spot. I know you've indicated your days off this week as well. Tuesday so and Wednesday. I'm going to try and see. You never know. It could ease off a little bit quicker. But a heads up, if you are making plans, it's really tomorrow and Monday. That's when we'll see the heaviest rain. Tuesday, Wednesday, hopefully it'll ease off a bit quicker. And then we'll hopefully see that bright spot on Thursday. Temperatures for tomorrow with the rainfall will be on the cool side. So do bundle up. And keep your umbrella with you if you haven't voted yet. Voting day of course, on Monday. Jordan will be here at 11. Thanks for joining us.